Hello and welcome to the second episode of Vetspective for Farmers podcast from Vet Partners, your knowledge base for all your on-farm veterinary know-how with our expert vets. My name is Amy Saran and I'm from West Point Vets in the Southeast. And I'm Claire Whittle from LLM Farm Vets in the Northwest and we will be your hosts today. So each month, a new phase from Vet Partners is going to lead the discussion with everything from dairy herds to alpacas on the agenda. But for now, let's get cracking. In today's episode, we will be discussing one of the most poignant subjects of the season, respiratory health in our dairy and livestock herds. As the weather cools and our cows come indoors, how can we identify when our young stock are suffering and ensure that our calves don't succumb to pneumonia? Joining us today, we have Sarah Hampson, who's also from LLM. Sarah has a keen interest in young stock health, all aspects of it, and she is definitely my go-to person if I have a young stock issue on the farm. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, guys. Thank you for inviting me to come and talk. No worries. So let's get right into it. Um, It's definitely getting colder outside. Um, We know that much. But why are pneumonia and other respiratory diseases so prevalent at this time of year, Sarah? Yeah, so I suppose we are approaching a really challenging time for calves now. I suppose British winter time, you think of wet, windy, cold weather. And that's particularly challenging for calves because they're very, very small which means they've got quite a big surface area to lose heat from. So they use a lot of energy to keep warm. And then when they're not challenging that energy into um, keeping warm, they'd normally be putting that into things like growth and their immune system. So they're, they're, they're channeling off a lot of the energy in places where they wouldn't normally. On top of that, all cars are generally housed during winter, so they're in closer contact with each other. So bugs spread more easily. You've got higher stocking rates. It's not like being outside. The air can often be more stale in, in housing. And then finally, it can directly affect their respiratory um, protection. So when it's cold, the mucus in the respiratory tract gets thicker and then they're less able to clear bugs that would normally be there when in the in a warm weather. I've just learned loads already, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so and we've also had slightly warmer days, haven't we, and colder nights, which has probably contributed to that as well. Um, all the changes around the weather as well. So what um, do we generally see as sort of clinical signs? What are we seeing if we've got calves with pneumonia? It can be really, really variable, I think. Um, So you might just notice calves that aren't quite as hungry. Um, They're dropping back from the root. Um, They might be a bit duller. Then it can range up to coughing and nasal discharge. So yes, snotty noses would be a real common one. You might see them breathing a bit quicker. They could be really dehydrated if you've got a really bad case. So there's a range of um, clinical signs, I suppose. And it's really important when you've got a sick calf is to get in there and examine it and check what's going on and make sure you are treating for first point, um, the right thing. So first things first, I'd take a temperature, um, really important with calves. And generally with a pneumonia, you would have a high temperature, but anything around 39.3 might point you in the direction of it, it more likely to be a pneumonia case. I've split this question up into two parts because I think prevention and treatment are wildly different. So um, once our farmers have seen these clinical signs in their calves, what sort of treatment should they be administering or would a vet be administering? So there's a few treatments you might consider. So first and foremost, you want to give them an anti-inflammatory. So that would be things like Metacam and there's other products out there. This basically brings their temperature down, makes them feel a little bit better, so it keeps them eating. And it also takes the inflammation out of the lungs, so it helps your penetration of things like antibiotics and stuff like that. 
So then second thing is antibiotics. So not every case of pneumonia will be caused by bacteria, but it is very, very common. And once you've got a viral infection, you are off, you'll often get a secondary bacterial infection. So we do tend to cover these cars with antibiotics. And when you're choosing your antibiotics, I'd speak to your vet about that because they have different durations of action. So some may last only one day, some may last up to a week. Um, so duration of action is different. The bugs they are active against is different. So definitely have a chat to your vet about what they think might be the best, most appropriate treatment for your farm. And then finally, if the calves dehydrated, obviously they want some fluid. So think about oral fluid therapy just to support them through that disease. People often think of giving fluids to scouring calves, but don't yeah. necessarily think about those calves with pneumonia. Yeah, I think it's really, really important. Often these calves will be off their milk. And then obviously when they're drinking milk, there's a water component to that. So they're just not as bright to go up and drink and things. So fluid therapy is never generally going to be a bad thing. That's great. That's something that you know not everybody will think of in the first instance. I just want to talk um, again about antibiotics because I, I do believe that they're often reached for before any other therapy. Now, from what you're saying, it sounds like antimicrobial therapy in the absence of a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory is not the way to go. Yeah, I would tend to always combine the two treatments and potentially if you caught a calf really early, you could potentially go in with just an anti-inflammatory, but I'm very cautious about giving that advice because the earlier you treat a case of pneumonia, the better result you'll have. So it might be that you think you've caught it early, but by that point, the bacteria are established. So you have to be very, very aware of the critical signs if you're going to go just in with an anti-inflammatory to start with and then follow it up with antibiotics if you don't see an improvement. Otherwise, A, it's safe. And if you've got a high temperature and you've got critical signs of pneumonia, I'd go in with both. And what would you say to the idea that a longer acting antibiotic is in some way better? Because I don't, I don't know about you guys, but in clinical practice, sometimes I, I come up against the, the notion that, you know, the, the more expensive ones, the heavy hitters are in some way better. How do we draw back to using the first line? I think that can be quite, um, with longer acting antibiotics, it's often handling as well. So in terms of having to treat animals every day, sometimes people will reach for that longer acting antibiotic. Um, and some of those aren't necessarily what we'd call our more protected antibiotics as well. Yeah, I think um, there is a benefit to longer acting antibiotics, obviously, because you've got a set of damaged lungs. So by clearing the initial infection, that damage isn't going to keep completely go away. So they are susceptible to a reinfection. Um, say three four days down the line so that is one of the key benefits of these longer antibiotics however you're right we should be trying to limit the use of these um, those holding certain antibiotics back for a second line treatment so if you've got a mild case um, and it's maybe of only a small number of cars affected it might be that you may be able to go in with a shorter acting course um, to start off with but if you see no improvement then follow it up with a longer acting um, antibiotic Thank you. So if, if farmers target their antibiotics, what sort of diagnostics are available to them? Um, so in terms of diagnostics for pneumonia, there's a load of different things you can do and they'd be best talking to their vet. And I think it is important if you've had a change in the presentation of an outbreak. So say different calves are affected, age groups or the presentation is different. So instance, with mycoplasma infection, you can get ear droops, coughing. 
for different folks, there will be different antibiotics you might want to choose. So for diagnostics, you can take bloods, you can do swabbing, you can do post-mortem samples. And it is a really important part of an outbreak investigation, particularly if you've had a change in presentation. So we've talked a lot about treatment, but most of the time for economic and welfare reasons, we want to get into prevention of pneumonia. So can you talk us how, how we do that on farm? Absolutely. Prevention is definitely better than cure. So um, I think you want to approach this in two ways, um, maximising the calves ability to fight disease and then improving the environment to try and reduce the infectious load on the calf. So when we think about improving the calves immunity, obviously colostrum for young calves is absolutely crucial. That's basically where they get the majority of their immune protection in those first few weeks of life. So it's really important to get that right. Beyond that, mm -hmm. feeding them correctly is really important. So as I said, when it gets cold, they're using more energy to keep warm. So increasing the feeding rates so that they've got enough energy to power their immune systems is really important. You can do things like putting calf jackets on them too, to try and reduce the amount of heat loss and support the calves even more. And then finally, obviously vaccination, um, as that will protect against specific bugs that might be on your farm. And then from the environment point of view, it's all about improving the air quality. So pneumonias and respiratory bugs are passed in air droplets and in mucus. So when they're, when they're touching each other and things, so to improve the air quality, you want to have good stocking rates. So there's some really good resources on AHDB um, in terms of what the stock, what area you'd like to have per calf at different ages. You want to have the same ages of calves together. So don't have too big an age variation in a group because younger calves are susceptible to bugs, which older calves might not be. You want to make sure the building's well ventilated, but not drafty. Um, this is quite hard to assess, but if you get your vet involved, they can come out and do things like smoke bombing to see how quickly the air clears. I think this is one thing we potentially do quite poorly in the UK is ventilate calf sheds. We've got calves in a lot of sheds which are naturally ventilated and for calves, there aren't that many sheds where the ventilation is adequate from just natural ventilation on its own. So you can look at things like putting tubes in and fans to try and improve the air turnover in those buildings. The, the final thing is keeping the uh, moisture management down. So making sure beds are really dry, you're not washing buckets in the calf sheds. Um, just trying to keep the humidity as low as possible because bugs love humidity and they'll, probably, they'll spread much more in damp environments than they will in nice dry environments. Oh, there's so much you can do before there's even any kind of uh, medicinal intervention there. Yeah. Definitely. And once you've got to the point of treatment, that's when the real costs start to kick in. So the more you can prevent, the better, really. In terms of the cost of pneumonia, how much would an average case um, cost a farmer? Um, so there's quite a large range that's stated, um, and that's based on treatment costs, the loss in um, daily live weight gain at the time of the case of pneumonia, um, the time invested in treating those calves. And the Prices quoted for range from about 30 to 80 quid per case, so a reasonable amount of money. But where the real costs seem to lie are actually on the future costs. So how does that case of pneumonia affect how that part performs in its breeding season, in its first lactation? And that's where the real money starts to add up. So they've started to look at this in dairy heifers, and they've shown that for a heifer that's had one case of pneumonia, so this isn't like your, your real problem calves that might have had two or three treatments, just one case, 
they've got an a prolonged period to age at first calving and they've got reduced yield in first and second lactation so it's dropped by about four percent in first lactation and eight percent in second lactation so i think the cost of one case of pneumonia is probably more around a thousand pounds per case rather than that initial 40 to 80 quid Sarah, so those costs, it seems, can really spiral. And is that because once you've had lung damage occur, it means that there's always scar tissue there? Yeah, so cows have actually quite small lungs in comparison to their body size. Um, so if you have damage as a calf from a case of pneumonia, you, hopefully the lung will repair completely. But in a lot of cases, you'll have damage that doesn't repair. And as you say, you get scar tissue formation. So when they come, say for a, a dairy calf, calves down, starts lactating, they produce a lot of milk, uh, requires a lot of metabolism, so they burn a lot of energy. For metabolism, you need oxygen. So you need a good set of functional lungs to be able to power that metabolism, which is why if you've got scar tissue and say 30% of the lungs are dysfunctional, then you're not going to be hitting the yields that you would hit in a normally healthy cow. That's an area we don't often really think of as well, do we? When we're dealing with cases of calf pneumonia, we don't think about those long-term impacts, which are actually really important. They're so hard to measure. You just, I mean, you just see, sometimes see these heifers that maybe had an average first lactation, they carve in for the second time and they just really struggle to get going. And your vet examines them and says the lungs sound noisy, but it hasn't got a temperature. And that's probably when they're really strong and they should really be picking up and paying their paying back what you put into them when they're really struggling because they're under more pressure than they have been up to then. So we've heard about how this affects dairy herds in the future but what about beef herds? How does this directly affect beef cattle? Um, so I suppose the profitability of beef herds is based on the kilos of beef reared per year and pneumonia will significantly affect growth rates. So directly or indirectly affects profitability. If you're thinking about suckler herds and replacement heifers, you've got quite tight targets on getting heifers to the right age for age at first breeding to carve them down at two years of age. So if you have a knocking growth rate, so that then might have a knock-on effect at the age of first calving, which then has knock-on effects on their um, productivity throughout life. In terms of other beef systems, so I suppose a, a really tricky system is where people are rearing calves and they're buying calves and doing um, buying young calves and growing them up to stores or to finishing. Um, and they might be from a lot of different locations. And that is a real risk for pneumonia. Um, and if I'm completely honest, it always will be. Um, you can do as much as you can to try and support those calves. But when you're buying from multiple locations and you're transporting them, you've got that extra stress of moving them and then mixing groups, you are likely to see some disease in those calves. So vaccination could play a role there, Sarah, potentially? Yeah, definitely. Vaccines generally um, will help with pneumonia control. It's not a silver bullet, unfortunately. So you will still see pneumonia, even if you potentially, hopefully not, but you may still see pneumonia if you vaccinate. There's about nine bugs that cause pneumonia, the most common ones anyway and none of the vaccines cover all the bugs. So I think the majority, the, I think the most bugs they cover is three, memory, four, sorry, four bugs. So you're gonna have some that you could have challenge from something else and or the challenge must be so high that it actually outdoes the vaccine. So all you're doing by vaccinating calves is trying to boost their immunity so they can fight disease. 
when you've moved cards onto a system, the stress is very high for moving them out, actually suppress their immune system. So the response to vaccine might not be as good as if you gave it, say, four or five days after arrival. Is there any merit to them being vaccinated on the farm of origin before they travel to you? That that's, would be great. It's just organising that and speaking to the person before. Oh, yeah, I can imagine it's an absolute minefield. Yeah. Can you use more than one vaccine? Yeah, you can do. Um, so in terms of vaccine selection, there's a lot of different vaccines out there and they'll cover different bugs and they'll have a different onset of immunity. For some vaccines, you might give one dose. For others, you might give two. Um, so you really need to hone down what is the ideal vaccine for your farm. And you can do that based on, so vets will choose vaccines based on age at which disease is presenting, or they might do further testing to try and find out which bugs are challenging your, your young stock. For instance, some of the vaccines that you give very young, you can give some vaccines intranasally up the nose and they'll be covering viruses and you'll get very quick onset of immunity. So those vaccines that are given from a week to say 10 days of age, um, whereas some of the injectable, um, injectable vaccines that you give a little bit later will cover for some of the bacterial causes of pneumonia, but it does take much longer for the onset of immunity. So you might give a dose at, say, three weeks and then again four weeks later, and you're not going to have full immunity potentially for another week to two weeks after that. So it's a bit about the timing of when you see disease and a bit about the bugs that are on your farm. Going back to finding out which bugs are on your farm, Sarah, I know we often see, um, if we have, unfortunately, sometimes we do lose calves to things. Yeah. Using those calves to find out a bit more information can actually be quite useful. And I think it helps. We see it as less of a waste sometimes. Yeah. Have you got any information about that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I went over to America for a, a bit when I was a student and on American calf rearers, they post mortem every single calf and check what's happened and just look at the common areas that you might see disease just to get some value from essentially a complete loss, basically. So yeah, post-mortems are really important. Um, you can get some really good samples from calves. The only difficulty with pneumonia is that often if a calf dies of pneumonia, the bugs that are present in their lungs at that point might not be the ones that cause the problem in the first place. So post-mortem should be combined with other diagnostics as well, like blood samples or swabs or even getting samples from their throat whilst they're still, still alive. So a lot of this is starting to get into veterinary territory and veterinary tech territory. What sort of services should farmers be demanding of us? What can they expect us to do on farm? Um, so I think it's really important to monitor young stock performance um, and you can do this in a number of ways. So firstly, really good to check whether your colostrum status is right. Um, and the best way to do this is to um, get samples from the calves because that's kind of the end stage of how your colostrum management has performed. And it's really simple. You get samples from calves and test for total protein. It'll give you a good indicator of whether those calves have received enough colostrum um, within the time frame they needed to. And the next thing you could monitor is growth rates, um, as obviously growth rates will be affected by disease. Now, our techs go out and do this regularly at, when they're giving vaccines. Say you're giving a vaccine that requires two doses, they'll take a weight at the first dose and a weight at the second dose, and then look at the growth rate between them. So you should be aiming for about 0.8 kilos per day um, in both beef and dairy calves. Um, looking at growth rates, and if they're not hitting target, why is that? Have we got disease? Um, 
vaccination as well. Um, it's a thing that's given on farm, but we've got pets going out and vaccinating calves and we found that we've had a much better response to vaccination because obviously vaccines are really important. They're stored correctly, um, stored in the fridge, for example. They're given correctly and at the right time. That The second dose is always followed up at the right interval after the first dose. And we found that by giving that responsibility to keeping a check on which calves need doing when to our vet techs, we've managed to get a better um, response rate from the vaccines we've been given. That's really interesting, isn't it? So we can almost keep a diary for the farmers in terms of which animals need vaccination. Absolutely, yeah. And then it's just easy for the farmer to don't have to worry about it, essentially. Every fortnight the vet can turn up and just say, these are calves that need their first dose. And you just know it's safe and you haven't got to worry about it, essentially. That's a really valuable service for, for people to take up and uh, certainly something that we're going to look into doing a lot more of. So I'm quite excited and energised by this talk, to be honest. Like calf pneumonia has always been there, but, you know, to have, you know, a fresh perspective on it is so valuable. It's a really difficult disease, I think, calf pneumonia. Um, I think when you get, if you had the choice between a scour problem or pneumonia problem, I'd always pick the scour problem because it's much simpler to get on top of. Whereas there's so many things that affect um, whether calves get pneumonia or not. Usually changing one thing doesn't fix everything. It takes a lot of little tweaks to improve the environment and the calves' ability to fight that disease. That's so great, Sarah. Thank you so much. That's been a really interesting discussion, guys. So thank you. It is so important that we're there for our farmers, providing the right options for your herds, especially during such a challenging season. If any of our listeners have any questions, please get in contact with your local vet to discuss your options. We'll be back in a month's time, but for now, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Vetspective for Farmers podcast and tune into our sister podcast, Vetspective for Vets. And if you'd like more advice from your local vet in the meantime, please visit the Vet Partners website at www.vetpartnersgroup.com to find your local practice. Until next time, guys.